Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this next episode of Fitness with Feldman. I'm Dr. Justin Feldman from Feldman Physical Therapy and Performance. And this week, we were lucky enough to be joined by Colin from FC Malaga City, New York, a local soccer club that gives kids the opportunity to play at a high level and even travel all the way to Spain. We talk about all sorts of things going into advice for parents as well as a lot of great information about their club. Really hope everybody enjoys the episode and finds it useful. Okay. And that looks like it worked. All right. We are live. So as everybody spends some time sort of filtering into the different uh, live streams here, we're going to be running this both on Facebook and YouTube. Um, which seemed to work pretty well the other day. So that was good that our technical test went well. And we're going to go through, we're going to take a bunch of questions from everybody and talk through things. But we are live with Colin from FC Malaga City, New York, which is a club and a school here uh, in the Hudson Valley now. Um, and so we've got John and Ashley, our resident soccer experts, um, and I will throw in some rowing knowledge if the <laughs> occasion seems pertinent as we go. Uh, but Colin, why don't we give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you guys have going on. And we'll get into some questions that we have, and then we'll take some questions as people throw them up. Sounds good. Uh, so Colin McComb, I'm uh, kind of a lifelong resident of, uh, of Dutchess County, uh, born, born here in Rhinebeck. Um, Moved uh, moved around the country quite a bit. Uh, came back to this area to raise my my family. Um, I'm a I'm a Lord's graduate. My wife's a Lord's graduate. Um, and uh, what uh, what we've what I've been doing for the last uh, couple of years is basically finding pathways uh, for uh, young soccer players to uh, get to their full potential. Um, and in doing that, so we made some great relationships uh, overseas in Europe um, and, uh, and found a need to have flexibility around, around education. Um, and, uh, and so that led to uh, this last year uh, starting a, a school here in the, in the Hudson Valley. So uh, now we have uh, 35 students full time in, in our school program. 11 of them are over in Spain full time um, and uh, the rest are here in Pleasant Valley. They come from uh, different parts of the world. They come from different parts of the country um, and they're, you know, have, have a similar mind of, of trying to get to the highest levels of uh, their soccer abilities. Um, but we've grounded them with a very high level of, uh, of education rigor as well. Um, and then we combine that with the ability to get over to Spain to be seen um, professionally and get opportunities uh, there. So uh, right now, our entire student body is over in Spain, um, where it uh, on the morning that you guys had your snowstorm podcast, um, <laughs> uh, it was 70, 70 degrees, and uh, our boys uh, played uh, played a game uh, that that morning. So. Uh, I had my coffee uh, watching the game at uh, it was like five o'clock in the morning. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! That's, uh, that's Justin's lunchtime, actually. I was, <laughs> <laughs> that's 
That's amazing. Now, so you guys had a lot of this remote schooling going on before any of this COVID stuff happened. Yeah, so it was always our um, idea to use uh, the technology that's available for education now um, as a means to getting the flexibility that our students needed. Um, you know, obviously right now it's it's kind of hard to play soccer outside. Um, and uh, I believe you guys are at, at Gold's Gym, right? So Gold's has been, uh, you know, had a tremendous history of having some indoor soccer, but it's it's not quite the same as getting out on a full size pitch and, and and playing outside, right? So you're you're limiting what you can do. Um, you, you know, the dome has some stuff over in Milton. Uh, Danbury built a big dome, but it's still not the same as getting outside and, and training full time outside. Um, so when we set things up and we we were looking at how we were going to one give the the boys the exposure that they they wanted, um, and and two work around uh, their training regimen, we knew we knew we needed uh, flexibility, um, and then just to to launch a school um, the way that we wanted to. We couldn't, you know, build a brick and mortar environment and hire 30 different teachers to handle eighth grade through uh, through postgraduate studies. So before COVID hit, we were already evaluating the, the best packages for providing technology uh, enabled um, education. We combine that with uh, actual live teachers in the classroom uh, and the students are in person. Right. So. I think everybody kind of has a, a view of online education as, you know, my kid up in his room trying to do uh, <laughs> trying to do his work. And, and we're not about that. Right. We wanted a, a classroom environment, um, uh, but we needed the flexibility that an online education, uh, you know, can provide. That, that's great. And it provides yeah, awesome. so many different experts in different fields by doing that. That's uh, that's really great. I know that's something. I have a little bit of like a skiing background and I know that's something that a lot of the higher level skiers will use as a similar way. They'll go off to some of these places opposite of Spain, way up in the mountains to get colder and colder and more snow. Um, yep. But they can have access to all these different resources. That's it's right on, Justin. I mean, that, that's uh, some of the models that we investigated were ski schools in Vermont, and Utah uh, that are that are doing exactly that. Right. Um, and, and one of the themes is uh, that we were reading and as we were talking to these people that are doing similar things, there's some hockey schools as, uh, as well. Um, but there was a common theme that we kept getting from them that we didn't take into account. And that's that um, you're bringing like-minded, very competitive people into a group. And, and that competitiveness that they have in that field and the camaraderie that they have in the field <laughs> translates to the classroom. Um, so we have this uber competitive environment um, and, uh, you, you know, you see it in the in the kids results um, and the accolades they get from the teachers. But we also have this this uber uh, camaraderie uh, between eighth graders and guys that are postgraduates. Right. So we have middle schoolers in the in, in the school and we have we have 19 year olds and, um, you, you know, you don't have this kind of traditional Hey, I'm I'm new on the block. I'm I'm an eighth grader, and I'm going into high school uh, type environment where there's this hierarchy. It, it's just team. So that was really neat. Um, we didn't we didn't anticipate that, even though we had been told about it a couple of times. Um, but it's been tremendous for us. 
That's great. That's really yeah. Neat. How how um how does it compare to like uh, like down in Bradenton where like the U.S. soccer teams like? Because that's really my only experience with any any of these um uh, you know I, I guess clubs that have you know the academics built into the um the athletic side of things. Yeah. So Bradenton is um. Uh, what's the name of it now? It's uh, it, it, and it's it's not U.S. Soccer anymore. It's um, IMG. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the the first and foremost difference uh, between us and and their program, um, you, you know, is they are they are focused in Bradenton, and um, we have the trip to Spain, right? So yeah. we take we take all of our our student body. They go well the high school students go to Spain for three months, right? Yeah. I was um, reading three months. Is, that's awesome. That's it's, an immersion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you think back to three months ago, right, what, what you were <laughs> doing, then you really get the, you, you get the length of it. Right. So it's easy to say 90 days, but if you, if you go back to, especially with two feet of snow on the ground, <laughs> go back three months uh, and, and the, the beautiful fall weather that we were enjoying, it's a it's a long period of time. Um, yeah, I think but it's really months important. ago Justin was dragging our butts up to the top of Mount Snow. I was. It was it was sept it was September. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So yep. Um, and it was thirty degrees that morning. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's really important, right? Because there's there's other there's other soccer schools like uh, Barcelona Academy has a school out in Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they do bring. Um, a, a very small subset of of their school uh, internationally, um, but it's kind of like the elite of the elite within their program, and they go for like seven to ten days, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. IMG does some things, but it's more like visiting a tournament, going here or there, and then they have their their base teams come into them. Um, so what we thought was really important is um, is getting the boys the that exposure. Um, on the on the world stage now this year it's a little limited because of COVID, um, but last year this time uh, the team played uh, the teams over in Spain with uh, with these kids played um, they played Barcelona's ac academy uh, year before they played Real Madrid uh, they played uh, Manchester City uh, they played Norwich uh, academy uh, they played Atletico Madrid right uh, they played Seville. Um, and the story I like to tell about, like, for example, the, the Seville game is they got beat eight to three uh, playing this Seville under 19s, which sounds horrible, right? Um, but the reality is the striker scored three three goals in that game uh, from Malaga's team, uh, and there was somebody there uh, scouting and said, "Hey, uh, if you have if you have you know your boots and you can come with us, we'll." We'll take you to our academy right now. We'd like to give you a, a you know a uh -huh. couple of day trial, right? Wow. Now that doesn't awesome. happen if you're only over there for ten days because the guy watching you comes and says, "Hey, would you like to stay and do this?" And hey, I'm sorry, I'm going home. I, I don't have any time. Yeah. But if you have this three month period of time, uh, you, you know you're more settled in and you have access and you have those opportunities. Now it wasn't a Seville coach that uh, that took the kid on either. It was. Uh, another team in the table that was battling um, uh, to, to get to the top. They were there scouting uh, Seville uh, and was like, hey, here's um, here's a kid that can score three goals on, on them. Uh, 
that'd be a great addition to our team. You, you, you never know either. Like I've been to, I've been uh, to the Academy over in Spain five, six times over the past uh, two years. And uh, you, you look around and there's, it looks like just some, some old guy that's, that's come off the streets to, to watch uh, a game. There's not a lot of parents there. It's not that, but that guy um, could be a scout from, uh, from another team. There's always somebody watching. Um, so we thought that that was really important to our program. And your question, Justin, I'm like going on and on. No, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. How we different from IMG, right? Uh, you, you know, that's the first thing we, we offer the, the access and, uh, we're including that and everything. We, you, you know, we buy the plane tickets. We, we, we fly them over as a group. The, uh, the Academy bus picks them up and takes them to their training ground there. Uh, it's all included in their tuition, and which leads me to the second major part that uh, that uh, is very different about us. Um, IMG is sixty five thousand dollars a year uh, as a yeah. as a as a boarding school. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, Barcelona Academy is in the in the high fifties, right? So, uh, you know, we do need to pay our bills, and it takes a lot to fly a group of thirty kids uh, and then care for them in Spain. Yeah. Uh, and have a full education program, but you know we, you know our day students are twenty thousand dollars a year, right? So, um, you know that's comparable to a parochial school uh, with a soccer program on top of it, right? A normal yep. club club mm -hmm. soccer program. If you if you add it up, I you know, like I always challenge uh, people who kind of talk about, well, that seems really expensive. Well, add up everything you do now um and uh, and compare it and i don't think you'll find much margin <laughs> right so yeah. especially yeah. with an educational component to it that's right you know that's that's a huge part exactly. where uh where do the where do the players stay when they're over there for the three months so there's uh you know we have a full-time academy uh in spain uh there's 200 athletes that are that are there they come from all over the world so um something that uh that i constantly need to kind of educate people on is uh, FC Malaga City in Spain is not a Spanish academy. The coaches are Spanish, um, the facilities mm -hmm. are Spanish, um, but their their model is really to bring in kids from around the world that are in soccer rich cultures, mm -hmm. but don't have soccer rich pathways uh, to, to professionals. So you see a lot of Norwegians, you see a lot of, um, you know, Scandinavians, uh, South African uh, players, African players, uh, some parts of South America, Australians, uh, you, you know, um, Moroccans, there's an Israeli, a uh, couple Israeli kids that were there um, in, in the past too. So um, you get this, there's, they like to say there's uh, there's six continents uh, represented at the at the academy, and they're still working on getting kids from Antarctica. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, you get this great melting pot, which is another really cool experience for the kids when they're over there, um, because they're interacting with all these different uh, you know international players, and they have a common language of uh, of soccer. Right. So, you know, Moroccan kids speak French, but, uh, you know, and they're they're straight over from Africa. But, um, you know, they're they're mingling and, and uh, everybody's uh, there together. So, yeah, that's great. It doesn't matter that they can't speak the same language. The ball's uh, round. It bounces every direction. So that's right. That's right. There's, right. there's hand signals for that. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so for for the uh, for the American like kind of non soccer layperson, I mean, you're yeah. exactly right, right? There's a language of the game, and uh, you know, growing up playing like little league baseball, everybody knows a ground ball down first baseline, the second baseman back up the first baseman, right? It's just a natural yeah. movement that occurs. And the yeah. first time you you have like a company t-ball game, and there's people <laughs> out there that haven't played baseball. Uh, and they don't follow the patterns that you're expecting, right? Uh, it becomes very obvious. Um, but if you if you step on a field and, and people understand the patterns that they should be playing, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. So um, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, no matter the language, where the people come from, political backgrounds, uh, race, creed, uh, they step on the soccer field together and, and uh, there's a common language spoken. Yeah, that's great. And where are you guys looking to bring the club going forward? What, what are the what are the sort of future plans and uh, thing, things in the future? So, uh, you know, one of the things that we're we're kicking off this year is we've uh, we've brought on a USL two franchise, which is basically the fourth division of American soccer. Um, it's set up mainly for. Uh, college level athletes um, looking to take the next step. Um, main reason that we did that was so that we could be included in the USL Academy program uh, for our younger ages. Uh, and they've set up a tremendous, um, a tremendous program and network um, with the USL Academy. But uh, that will be, I mean, COVID permitting, it will allow us to, um, to, to feel the senior team, um, you know, a, a, a first team, a men's team, I'm talking soccer language here, but uh, to, to put it just in general American terms, a minor league soccer team uh, that will play out of, uh, out of Pleasant Valley um, uh, at, our, at our field there. So um, with that, we're, we're planning on bringing some of the players that play for our senior teams over in, in Spain back to the United States to, uh, to, to uh, do that. But we're also looking for high-level local players uh, to just tie into the community. Uh, so one of the things that we're going to be doing is uh, is visiting the the, the local clubs, uh, Beekman Soccer Club, East Fishkill, um, LaGrange Soccer Club, uh, Town of Poughkeepsie, uh, and talking with the leaders of those clubs and just saying, hey, who, who over the past uh, few years, who are your top people that have graduated out of your club, right? Who, you know, because we'd like to represent um, – you know, LaGrange Soccer Club in our USL team, um, we're not looking to take players from the youth club, right? We're, we're looking to, to find the, the 23-year-old uh, that, uh, that came from your program and then highlight them as um, a special, uh, yeah. special kid who, who came out of your program. Yeah. And you guys started you're not, you're not, you're not 23, John. What? Sorry. You're not 23, John. I see you trying to jump <laughs> out of the um, I can fake my ID. Um, I, I'm the I'm the closest there, and I can just shave my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, I mean, you started originally as a Beekman program, right? You were at a Beekman. Yes. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. See, that's that's grassroots stuff that that I really like to see coming from our uh, our area. And um, I know Ashley and I both agree. It's it, seriously none of this was around when you know when I was in high school um, and growing up through club ball. It was. ODP was kind of like the, the, the big thing. Um, and we didn't have any, of the it was the big clubs. new thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the big, big new, new thing, thing um, for us. 
Uh, um, I remember the biggest thing for me was like, why do the numbers on the back have like, why do I have four numbers or five numbers on the back of my shirt? <laughs> yeah, um, yep. super weird. Yeah, you know, and I think um, PDL had just started. I think like the Westchester Flames was one of the closest clubs to us um, at the time. And some of my club guys kind of broke off as we became like, you know, juniors and seniors in college. Um, you know, we've been together since we were, you know, like 11, 12, 13. Um, so it was, you know, it was really nice to see that then. And then to see how like the opportunities have kind of, uh, you know, blossomed from there uh, is pretty cool. And um, to see you guys kind of taking over for PDL. And so that was kind of a, one of my big questions I had was, are you like, what are the regulations for ages? Because um, uh, I know I think PDL has a little bit different qualification standards than other teams and leagues in, uh, in like the fourth division. So um, do you have to keep the same ones that they had? Um, are they any different? Yeah, the, there are there are regulations on the age. It's really set up to incent uh, having younger players on, on on the on the team, right? So uh, I don't remember the exact uh, numbers, but I, I think you can have eight or ten players that are older, uh, for for example, that are over twenty three. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the rest of your roster needs to be. 23 or younger, right? Um, same thing with domestic and international players. Uh, you're only allowed eight or 10, um, you know, international players. The rest have to be domestic, right? So it's really about finding path pathways for those for those younger players, uh, kind of between college and, and getting to the next level. Um, and that's what's really nice about the USL Academy uh, League as well is that um, what what that's set up to do is really have a reserve team or your up and coming players for, for the USL, um, whether it be USL two, our USL two team, or like uh, Hartford athletic, which is a, uh, I think a championship uh, level, level team, right. That's like second division. So yeah. we'll be playing uh, against these other teams. And if they see one of our 17, 18, 19 year old players, that they want for their club, um, that, that could be a good addition to the club. They can they can pick them up. So it just our whole thing has been around finding pathways for players. And and you brought up um, the roots and Beekman. Um, I had a I had a group of of kids that I had since they were seven years old. Um, very early on is like the the years that Barcelona was doing so so well, uh, and those kids were focused on, uh, I want to be a professional player. I think kind of every kid says that at some point, right? <laughs> but instead of saying like, no, there's one tenth of 1% and it's really hard. And, uh, you know, there's not a way to do that. And I, I, I said to the parents, let's, let's figure out what that means. Um, we quickly found it doesn't, there's not really, it's very difficult to go through the traditional means of professional sports here in the United States. Like if you, if we were playing football and somebody said, I want to be a professional football player, you kind of know what you got to, what you got to do there, right? You, you, you probably play for some prep school down in New Jersey uh, or Texas, and then you get picked up by um, a division one school, play in the SEC and get drafted, right? That that's the pathway to professional football. But for, uh, for soccer, it's, it's very, very different. Uh, and in the rest of the world, soccer is really seen as a trade, is a way that I like to to explain it to parents. So you, you know, if you're going to be a trade person, you, you kind of you, you know, you, you don't really know you need to go to college, um, and uh, and maybe you, you focus on your trade work, um, 
and you go into that trade and you start out at, at a at a lower level and you make your way up um for the rest of the world that's that's generally how athletes are approaching soccer right so if you go to Europe, you go to England, you go to South America, the kids that are excelling in their academies have, you know, basically dropped out of school uh, and um, and are and are working through um, trying to become a professional soccer player. We don't endorse that at at all. <laughs> we don't endorse that at all. In fact, we we're trying to change the game uh, for the rest of the world, and that's why we have our academy in, in Spain too, has the same educational program. Um, and we're trying to promote, hey, you 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 should have a, a backup plan. You should have like, and a lot of the kids in Europe that are in the academy, their backup plan is I'll, I'll go play in America and get a college scholarship. If you look at the division one and division two teams, about half of the players on the rosters are international players, right? So mm -hmm. there's a real pathway there, but you still need to have a strong educational background. You still need to have uh, strong, um, you know, college board scores. Um, so we're providing that. Um, but, uh, you know, being a professional soccer player doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to step on the field at Chelsea or um, Bayern Munich and make, you know, mm -hmm. millions of dollars. Uh, you could be a professional soccer player and support a family and live a nice life and, and uh, you, you know, make, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks a, a week or whatever, whatever it is, right. And get your lifestyle subsidized by the club that you're playing for, play in the third or fourth division, right. For a yep. team that most American households have not heard of. So um, there's a bit of parent education in that. Um, but what we stress overall is education first, education first, have that plan, um, you, you know, and uh, make sure that that's really solid. Nice. Now, what about where are most of the facilities? So we're kind of dealing with the Hudson Valley. Where are you guys located? Majority um, fields, stuff like that. So where is training your, occurring? All the above. So I, I saw your uh, podcast, um, your last podcast, right? Because this is like the the new the new first one, right? So, right. Yeah. 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 Um, and the last podcast was on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, right in the thick of, uh, of of COVID, we broke ground that weekend on our um, our outdoor field uh, that's in Pleasant Valley. Uh, so, you know, that was a huge undertaking for us that uh, had months of planning and a lot of capital investment. Uh, great partnership um, with the with the Boy Scouts. Uh, that's actually. Uh, the land that we use um, is at the Boy Scout camp in Pleasant Valley. It's called Camp New Teaming. It's an absolutely beautiful property. There's 260 acres there. Um, uh, gorgeous. Uh, the Boy Scouts have invested a tremendous amount into, into the property, um, building facilities. Um, and uh, if you get a chance, just just go by. Even in the winter, it's, uh, it's beautiful. But... Um, so we we did the capital investment to um, to build the field there in exchange for uh, you know leasing the uh, the property uh, from them and having access to some of the facilities and that's that's where our school facilities are as as well. Um, but there is a you know out in the forest um, <laughs> about a mile back into uh, into this Boy Scout camp. 
there is a 70 by 120 yard, uh, you know, field. It's as big as Barcelona's uh, field. It's only lined for soccer. There's not all the crazy football and lacrosse and field hockey lines. Uh, it's lighted, um, and it and it the way that it sits, it sits on a, an embankment. So there's a big slope for uh, for fans to to sit on this kind of bowl amphitheater. Um, Boy Scouts built a, a locker, you know, a set of locker rooms there. So we have on-site locker rooms. Uh, there's a swimming pool right next to it as well. Uh, and then the other side of the slope drops off immediately and you have, um, you know, a view of all the uh, Schwangunk Mountains, uh, you know, oh, looking, nice. uh, that's looking amazing. Uh, west. So it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So that's our so, main, yeah. our, that, that's where we play our games and that's, that's where the USL will, uh, will play. Um, we also have the uh, the partnership uh, with uh, with Beekman Soccer, uh, and uh, the town in Unionville uh, has been tremendous. The town of Unionville um, is where our our boarding facilities are. Um, uh, Timor Park has, uh, I think, again, it's like 250 acres of farmland that was uh, donated by. Um, the, the, you know the the farmer that was there. I think it's uh, Connor or O'Connor that uh, that donated the land. Um, but there's uh, the old farmhouses are still on the property, and um, you we lease one of those farmhouses and we've turned it into our boarding house. Um, so there's fields adjacent to Timor Park. There's some great fields there as well, uh, and we utilize those fields for our club program and and uh, some of our academy training. Brilliant. Time War is a great place to get out and run through. So I'm sure the boys are doing some running there too. <laughs> yeah. So, so are you a runner? Uh, we kind of all are. We're, okay. we're well ingrained in running, but uh, I drive past Time War every day on my way home because I live, live out that way. So uh, I know it pretty well. Grew up there, that sleigh riding hill. Make sure none of them get on there. Um, <laughs> just some recommendations. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm local in that area as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm a runner too. So my, my background is actually not, not soccer. So I, I ran cross country oh. track, um, okay. as an ultra marathoner. Um, and so, yeah, I know all the trails at time were very well. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. What, did you, uh, did you run at Lords? I did. Cross country. When were you there? I graduated in 90. Who was the coach? Uh, the coach was, um, he's a chiropractor, uh, at a Hyde Park. Oh my gosh. I'm really old now. <laughs> um, Joe Barber, right, Joe, Barber. Right. Joe Barber, Joe Barber. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm a Lord's guy as well. So, uh, definitely, definitely good to hear that. Um, I thought I was going to date Mr. Danky. Was he, he was still around. Know. He's still around there. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, was was he coaching at the time back no. then? Was he still okay? No. 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 All right. I don't want to. I don't want to make him older than he is. If Mr. Dank. That's great. No, not, now, as far as the boarding students go, how far away are they coming from? Where are most of them coming from? Uh, so this year we have. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, Pennsylvania, um, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're getting, we, we started this, um, in, you know, we started really recruiting for what we're doing right now, uh, a year ago, maybe a year and a month ago, uh, if I'm just kind of looking at my calendar over here. Okay. Um, so, 
you know, we're trying to get the word out as COVID is escalating. Right. We get that a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, so basically, um, you, you know, we have, uh, we have, you know, kind of regional kids uh, right now, but uh, the applications that are coming in and the people that we're talking to, there, there's um, quite a few from around the country, Minnesota, California, Texas, uh, Florida that, uh, that that'll be coming in, which really changes the game, right? So if you're yeah. if you're yeah. if you're running a U17 and U18 team, uh, and and you have you, you have players you, you have pl- access to a player pool from around the country, uh, it's it's much much different uh, training environment, uh, let alone um, competition level than you, you know teams that are pulling just from the immediate area. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Um, now I'm just sort of curious based on sort of our background and the different things that, you know, that we're into, what is the, uh, strength training side of the program look like? What are they, what are these kids doing? Picking things yeah, up. So we need to do more. We were really kind of limited as to what we could do because the gyms were all closed down. Right. Oh, um, right. And then, um, we didn't have our own equipment. So our, our plan was to, to, you know, work with a gym, uh, we had to kind of pivot and, um, you guys are all runners. Do you guys know Eric Orton? Um, so, so Eric Orton, uh, I was looking at some of the stuff that you had out there, uh, Justin about, um, you know, stretching or not stretching. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. So he's a big balance and stability. Uh, mm-hmm. guy and um, you, you know if you're having a problem say with your um, you know with your hamstring um, maybe you need to work on your glutes right to 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 you know strengthen and 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 uh, elongate that that muscle through strengthening the muscles around it right um, so we did a lot of that right a lot of uh, plyometrics a lot of um, band work, uh, a lot of balance, um, and, and core conditioning, but it was, it was kind of, um, it was kind of around my knowledge from a running standpoint rather than being specific to, to soccer. So that's an area that, uh, that we need to, uh, to improve upon. Um, when we, when the trainers, when the, when the coaches come from Spain, one of the, one of the folks that, uh, that we're bringing along, is um, a kind of a guy that's very into uh, CrossFit, um, and uh, and also is a physio and trainer for the the senior teams uh, over there. So he's interested in uh, you, you know basically seeing what's going on over here from a CrossFit perspective. But uh, that's going to be a, a part of our program. If you have ideas, though, um, right now we're in our planning stage and we're really looking for some physio people to partner with. I, I would say you've, you've probably piqued all of our curiosities. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and be Absolutely. careful what you wish for because um, you'll get the three of us talking and you won't get us to shut up. So yeah. <laughs> Big time, especially especially when it comes to that side of things. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I that, that um, I, I, we struggled to implement um, that we saw in Europe. So we struggled to implement it here that we saw in Europe was that, um, y- you know, they do things in a cycle. And as runners, you, you guys would get this, right? Like you, you can't race a 10K every every day, 
you can't race a 10k every three days unless you're like there are some people that do some crazy stuff but um <laughs> you, you know your body will, will break down and you're not going to be at peak performance so you really need to have a micro cycle through your week that that uh, tapers you for the performance and then you need to recover from it and then you get your build work in between um we try to do that uh from a training perspective but um the irregularity of games sometimes throws a throws a wrench in it um what i'd like to do and and um this is something we can maybe collaborate on uh some other time uh or past this brief conversation is how do you include the, you know, the 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 yoga, the balance, uh, the core work, the strength training, and the endurance outside of just training sessions? How do you include that into your cycles uh, as well? And what's what's the right things to be doing uh, on certain days? Two days before a match, one day after a match, match day. You know, um, because I, I think it's more than just touches on the ball. Uh, especially if we're trying to do a whole 100%. athlete uh, and be professionally minded about the way that we're going about training and running our lifestyles. So uh, yeah, we'd love your feedback on, yeah. on that. Well, John and I, have, um, John and I, I was going to say, John and I have done some stuff for coaching about this type of stuff um, and have it kind of put together a little bit already, plus some other stuff. So I think we can yeah. put some minds together to help you guys out a little bit, possibly. And I've been, um, I, my first introduction into strength training and how important it is, is when I got to college. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from small, you know, small town, you know, uh, USA here, such as County. I was a big fish in a small pond at Lords, uh, you know, had some great success there. And then I, I played division one in a very small division one program. We're not talking a bully funded one. Right. Um, and I, I get there. And the biggest thing was, you know, we were lifting two, three times a week in season with the team, you know, at five thirty in the morning, you know, we're going up to the, uh, the varsity weight room. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, I did strength training, but like, what the hell is a squat? Like, what, what's the lunge? You know, like back home, yep. we did, you know, biceps. What's a deadlift? Biceps. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, my, my coach then, um, you know, Brajesh Patel, he was phenomenal. And he's actually moved on to Quinnipiac a year after I graduated there. And he's had phenomenal success there, um, you know, with hockey and basketball teams. But I still talk with him regularly and I still set up mentor calls with him and, you know, every couple months, he just, he blows my mind with some of the new, you know, information that's out there for, um, you know, for strength and conditioning. And, you know, it's just, I, I love talking to him and learning. And, and so that we try and sprinkle that as much as we can into things. And those are the types of, um, you know, material that we try and get into some of the coaches and some of the parents and the, uh, and the players themselves too, you know, how important it is. But um, it's a very dynamic industry, you know, healthcare, fitness, um, you know, they, they kind of go hand in hand at least for us, because, you know, we're dealing with movement sciences here, but, um, you know, that's, that's where I think the biggest low hanging fruit exists for all youth athletes. Right. And so, you know, the struggle that you're mentioning is, is you know, you're not alone in that struggle by any means, but it's actually quite, at least maybe for us, um, it's quite simple to kind of, you know, incorporate in, into the, the weekly programming. The problem is getting people to buy into how simple it can be. Um, yeah. I'd say that's probably my biggest struggle. And I tell people and they're like, no, I've got to do more than that. I'm like, no, no, we don't, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'll kind of step off that little soapbox right now, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we would be happy to, uh, to kind of send some stuff your way. Um, you know, continue that conversation, but that's just fun for us. John, that's if you didn't cool. hop on it, I was going to hop on it real quick. So <laughs> <laughs> you got ahead of me, but I, I feel like that's it's one of those things. 
it's one of those things. And I, I can go on about the female athlete all day and how important it is, but it's important for any youth athlete. Um, and it's just one of those things. People forget the importance of it or they don't know the importance of it, which is where we have to bridge that gap. You know, if we get stronger, performance gets better. Like it's just one of those things that we know and we can get faster and we can store more energy and release more energy. So it's just, you know, we just need the buy-in. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we have a, we have a captive audience. That's one of the nice things that, uh, that we have at the Academy, right? Because yeah. uh, the, we have the kids all day. Um, we have boarding students, right? So we've already, one of the things that we tackled right away is the nutrition because that's the other that's the other piece of the pie right is yeah. is nutrition right so um we have uh we've set up a a grazing program throughout the day during at the school so from the time that they so our, their training is in the morning first of all uh each day then they shower and change and they come into the school environment and from the moment they walk through the door they have healthy snacks available to them uh, the, the, the whole time. So it's like little snacks, little snacks, uh, all day, all day long. And then they finish their school day around four 30. Um, but you know, it's not set up really around a big lunch. Um, or, you know, uh, you know, they don't have the temptation of, I'm going to get a candy bar. I'm going to go do this. Right. We, we spread out the, the, the healthy snacks. So we've got a, got a good handle on that. Can't, can't say that, uh, the kids don't fall off the wagon uh, on weekends and when they're home and different things like that. All right. Um, but uh, that, that, that strength training uh, and including that is, is a piece that uh, definitely want to work on with you guys. Nice. Well, yeah. yeah. Now I want to make sure we're respectful of your time and don't, don't go on because we could talk forever here. Uh, but one thing I think that would be really helpful to cover for everybody is advice that you might have for parents. Um, as much as we think we have a large, uh, you know, young kid audience, it seems to be not what they spend their nights doing. <laughs> uh, You're not going to tune into our, our chat here. I think, you know, we talk with a lot of parents about where they want their kids to go athletically, what their kids should be focusing on and how that goes. And so I'd be curious to hear based on your experience, what advice you pass on to parents in that realm. And so, uh, yeah, thanks. I, I think, two things that come to mind immediately. One is listen to what your kids want, right? Because I, I think as parents, we have a tendency to project uh, what we think our kids should do, right? Uh, and the path that they should take. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, it's not that the kid's in charge, but, uh, you, you know, it's very easy as a parent to to lead them down a path that, that that's the path that you want them to take rather than Listening, listening to them express um, what they're kind of after, and try to interpret what they're saying, rather than 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 herd them in the direction that that you think is right. Um, and I think that's really important because the second point would be the second point of advice would be um, keep an open mind to what's out there now versus what your experience was. Uh, you know, as a middle school or as a high school uh, student or athlete, uh, because it's a very different environment, you know, especially if you're a parent that hasn't stayed active or, or connected to what's where things are today. Um, you know, that's, that's academically as well as athletically. Right. Um, so, 
keep an open mind, understand what's out there, understand the, the, the different uh, pathways that are available, and then listen to what your what your kid is is asking for. I like it. I think that's important. Yeah. For the record, my son really wants to ski on those super cold days. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he begs us to take him out. We're not dragging him out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great though, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that, that's what you want. You want, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, you know, it, it, for example, I, I don't know your specific situation, but if, if your son like just loves skiing and that's all he wants to do, right? Uh, I, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I, I think no. in, in, encourage that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and that me personally, like I, I wanted to be a runner. I, I, I loved it. I was doing it constantly. Right. So I got a, I got a, I got a push sometimes to, Hey, diversify yourself. Hey, go do this other thing. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, no, I really wanted to, focus on what I'm, what I'm doing. So, um, if you got a kid that wants to be out there, let them get out there. Even if it's zero degrees and you can, you can stay in the lodge. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, John, Ashley, any last questions before we, uh, let Colin go and get, get off to his, his evening here? I don't necessarily think so. All right. Yeah. I Great. mean, uh, the, the biggest note I made from today is that, um, I think we should throw Spain on our uh, our list for the company trip next year, Justin. Yes. <laughs> for sure. We'll leave the country we'll, after this year. We will happily join in. Yeah. Sounds good. I like it. Uh, before we sign off, Colin, people want to learn more about the Academy and everything you guys are doing. Where's the best way for them to find out about you guys? Sure. So I think our website is best. Um, it's FC Malaga, M A L A G A city um dash ny.com fc malaga city dash ny.com so for for anybody anybody hanging out on the uh the facebook live or the youtube live i will throw that down in the comment area so it's easy for everyone to find um and then when we do get this up into the the podcast form we'll throw all of the information in the show notes that go at the end of the podcast. However, that works magically. They sort of appear. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much, Colin, for joining us. It was great awesome. chatting. Uh, yeah. Have a great night, nice everybody. Enjoy. It's, awesome to know this is in our, it's awesome to know it's in our backyard. Yeah. You know. Great. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And as we get into this season of podcasting, we are really looking forward to having on more local guests. So if you guys know somebody who you think would be great for us to have on and talk to, please make sure to let us know through any of our social media channels, uh, or you can feel free to use the contact form on our website. And we'd love to get more local guests and spotlight more of these great things going on in the Hudson Valley. We'll see everyone on the next episode.